Before we get started tonight, um, I want to open up in prayer. I ask that y'all would uh, just be praying for me as I uh, preach this, that I would uh, preach clearly, that I would preach swiftly. Um, and we've got a business meeting tonight. <laughs> we should have done it last week because it was 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, we live and we learn. Uh, y'all showed up, so... Y'all knew the business meeting was tonight. Or did we not tell? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 2. Chapter two. I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we'll get started straight away. Lord, I thank you again um, that we could come into this place, gather together freely, openly, uh, that you've uh, placed us in a period in time in history uh, to where uh, though the freedoms seem to be uh, maybe being pressed in on every side, that we are still free to serve you and to worship you. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, as we open up your word, uh, you would lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit, that we would uh, understand the truth of your word in such a way that it would have an effect on our lives, that we would not be a, a, a people who are hearers only, but that we would be doers of your word, that we would be uh, led by your word to go out into our families, into our workplaces, into our uh, homes, into our cities, uh, that we would uh, be living testimonies, living witnesses for the work that Christ has done and is continuing to do in his church. Uh, there are many sick among us, I'm sure, uh, many more who... Uh, unable to be with us this afternoon uh, because of sickness, and I, I just want to pray especially for them uh, that you would touch their hearts, and I, I pray that you would also um, prick the hearts of others among us tonight, uh, that we would uh, be the kind of church, be the kind of people who would uh, rally around those who can't be here uh, with us, that we would, um, if they can't join us, that we would take church to them. Uh, let that be. Let that be something of a testimony that that Mount Carmel could uh, could have, or that we would be a people who uh, go out and take take church into the culture, uh, into the world around us. Um, Lord, um, again, as we open up, I pray that you would uh, give me the strength to preach boldly the truth of your word. Um, Seal my lips that I speak nothing of myself, but that your Holy Spirit would uh, move and just uh, prepare the ground uh, for the gospel uh, to be preached and that you would preach through me uh, and that you would work among your people. It's in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. So we're going to be tonight in Romans chapter 2. Yes, I said Romans chapter 2. We were kind of low in number last week, so we covered quite a few uh, verses um, and finished up chapter 1 finally. Um, We'll do a slight review for those um, who weren't here with us last time. But the way we're going to do that is we're actually going to jump ahead to the last passages of text that we're going to cover tonight. And we're going to kind of start at the end and then that'll help us to reflect on what we saw last week. Uh, and then it'll also give us kind of some foresight as far as where we're going this week. So we're going to end tonight 
in Romans chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Uh, so I want to go over there and I want us to read a little bit. Once we read this, we'll kind of discuss uh, where we left off last week. So Romans chapter 2, uh, we'll start in verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So there was a particular word that showed up quite a bit there in those two verses. Can anybody just say what word that is that seems to pop up a couple of different times? Law. The word law comes up quite a bit here. Um, and this word is going to give us some context for what we're going to be seeing when we look at chapter 2, verse 1, and kind of work our way to chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. But the first thing I want to do is focus on the first part of chapter 12 there so that we can do a brief review of kind of what we talked about last week. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. So what does that mean? I want, you to, I want you to think about the ultimate meaning of that. And for those of y'all that were here I'm last or for, that wasn't here, excuse me, last week, I want to give you a couple of uh, phrases to kind of go back and dig into chapter 1 a little bit. There towards the end, um, there's this idea in the ESV, it's going to read, God gave them up. It's mentioned three times in the last uh, couple of verses of Chapter 8, really, the, or excuse me, chapter 1, the last probably eight or so verses of that, you get three or, yeah, about three mentions of this word. Other translations are going to use abandoned. Um, and we talked about last week this idea that, that sin causes us to suppress the truth. And for those who are lost, those who are perishing, it's very natural, right? You don't have to try to do it. It's just something that you do, right? Sin causes us to suppress truth. And because of this, God has abandoned the sinner to their sin, right? And this is scary, right? This is immensely scary. And it has, a, it has something that we need to catch as a, as a church that sometimes maybe we don't think about because it, it, it can potentially be haunting, but I want us to think about it today. And that's what we see in the first part of chapter 2, verse 12, right? And what we see in chapter 1, where it says they're without excuse, right? Those who have suppressed the truth are without excuse before who? God. So those who are lost in, in, in chapter 1 were really reflecting on those not who have received the written law and commands like the Jews have received. We're talking about everybody else. We're talking about the Gentiles, right? All these Gentiles who perished in their sin, chasing after sinfulness. What is the result of that? Death. They will stand in their sin before the Creator. And not have an excuse. They will not be able to stand there and say, you didn't give me the written law. Right? In chapter 1, we see that God has revealed much about Himself through creation. But, God has chosen specially to reveal His character 
in the law that He's given to us. And this is what we're going to start addressing as we start digging into chapter 2. But there's an, there's an important truth that we, that we talked about in chapter 1 that I don't want us to miss out on that carries over as we start talking about the Jews or those who had the law in chapter 2. And that's this idea that sin causes us to suppress the truth. Right? So, what we are going to see and what we're going to examine in this early part of chapter 2, I want you to understand and I want you to realize that it is the same thing that causes us to look out into the heavens as sinners and say that that's not the handiwork of God, that causes the Jew to worry more about the washing of hands than the bigger things. Right? So we're going to see that there is this, by the Jew, suppression of truth, right? Sin does this. Sin breaks things. Sin puts things out of place. So as we start digging into this, we're going to, like I say, there in chapter uh, 2, verse 12, we get one, two, three, four, five, six mentions of this word law. So I want us to start thinking about as we dig into the gospel here, as it's presented in the book of Romans, I want us to start thinking about the place of the law. Right? What do I mean? What do I mean when I say the law? I mean, if you were to go back and look at the Old Testament, everything leading up to Christ, I would broadly categorize that as the law. Right? The law, the prophets. So we're just gonna we're just gonna consider that the law, God's word given to men to show men what. Right, and I want I want to ask you that: Why did God give us the law? What's the purpose of the law? Guidelines show us our sins. This is so good. We got some wisdom. Show what shows us God's righteousness. He gave the, the law to the Jews, specifically, yeah, the written law to the Jews. So the Gentiles have creation that they can see. They don't have written law that they have. But, are you, are you heading towards the place where it says that God is in fact written upon the hearts? Yeah, so that's different. That's different than the written law, right? To where you can kind of feel like something's wrong, and we'll kind of tend to call this conscience, right? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to get into chapter 7. We're going to get into chapter 7, and, and Paul's going to start... Somebody's been reading ahead, and it's my dad. Oh, right? Yeah, so so later on in the book of Romans, we're gonna we're gonna encounter this idea where Paul essentially says that before there was there was the law, there was no account of sin, right? Yeah. How are they held? How are they then held accountable? Yeah. How are they then held accountable? So Paul then goes on to talk about one thing, that, and this may be chapter five. Excuse me, I said chapter seven, but it might be chapter five. Paul will then go on to speak about one thing that ever that we know. What happens, and Dennis said it earlier, what is the result of sin? Death. 
What has happened to every single human being that has ever lived? That they've died. And ultimately, one day, what can we hope for ourselves? That our bodies will too break down. Right? So, the effects of sin run through the human race. Right? And, and when we get to chapter 5, we'll address the this, this specific... I think it's chapter 5. Maybe it's, it's all running together in my mind sometimes. But that's a good question. We will, we will address this, and the conclusion that we will come to ultimately is where he's starting off here. No one will have excuse, right? No one will be able to say, well, I didn't know enough or I couldn't see enough, right? Because what we ultimately know is that sin has suppressed truth, whether you have a little truth or whether you have a lot of truth. And that's what we're going to start digging into when we start looking at the law. Because ultimately, the Jews have really two things testifying for them, to God's goodness and and God's holiness and God's character. They have revelation through creation, right? They can look like the Gentiles and see all that God's created and say, wow, that's a good God that would do that. That's an intelligent God that would do that. Very wise, very powerful. Indeed, Jews have that. They also have specific commandments so that not only do they have the consciousness that God has written on our hearts to where we, you see people generally understand that it's bad to kill, right? You usually don't have to go and explain that, at least in much detail, to somebody unless they have something mentally wrong with them. Why? Because we tend to know that it's wrong to kill, right? We don't know why that it's wrong to kill necessarily. Like, what's the ultimate reason behind that? Why do I say that? I mean the same reason that you don't go out and say, man, that's a sinful, sinful line that just eat the gazelle to pieces. Right? You don't. You don't go and look at that and say, oh, that was all kind of murder. You say that's survival. Right? So what makes the difference between survival of the fittest and what we would call morality? Right? What's the difference maker in there? And ultimately, it's this word that we're going to be addressing, this idea of law. So law has been given, right? Law has been given by God to show the character of God and for a major purpose that we've kind of been uh, alluding to earlier to reveal the righteousness of God and ultimately what we're going to see is to show the sinfulness of man, right? Because when we reflect on the holiness of who God is and then we look at ourselves comparing ourselves to that, by the written Word of God, then what we find is that we ourselves fall dramatically short of the law that's been given to us. Right? Like, this is universally known. Right? You can look at God's Word, and you can very clearly see that you are a sinner, and that you fall short of His righteousness. Correct? Yes. So God has revealed His law. The same thing that was causing the Gentiles to suppress the truth about God, causes the Jews to manipulate the truth of God's law. Right? So, what happens, they treat the law of God like if Isaac got a hold of a pistol. Right? Like if I gave my son a pistol... Everybody in the house would likely be dead and short. He's like, pow, 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 pow. He would think it was a game. It would be foolish. He doesn't know how to wield it. It's not for him to use, right? Not for that purpose, right? So in a like manner, God has given us 
His law, and we wield it like a child with its father's gun, wounding and killing others, instead of protecting ourselves with it. And this is what we find as we dig into chapter 2. So this is what we're going to read. We're going to find judging, this idea of judging. And Paul is going to use it speaking towards... uh, Speaking towards his own here, those who have the law, uh, he's going to use it, and he's going to use it to show them that they are in the same state or the same condition, that they are in fact no better off than the Gentiles, right? That they are likely even in a worse condition than the Gentiles, right? Even more without excuse, because they themselves have the written word, the written command of God. So chapter 2 Verse 1, therefore you have no excuse, O man. I want us to note here, it's starting off in this way. He's then looking back, therefore, therefore what? All of the things that we talked about last week, we'll just step back into 32 of the last chapter. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, that's homosexuality, uh, we could read the huge list of things, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. So there's a couple of more that, that, that are just right above that there. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Verse 1 chapter 2. Therefore, kind of building off of this, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So what can we see from just this opening chapter? What can or this opening verse here? What can we see from this? So we know we're leading towards the law, right? What can we what can we draw from just what we read here? Anybody? Law or not man sinful, right? Can we agree on this? Whether you know specifically what to or not to do, or whether you know in clear detail because it has been written out for you, that in no way changes you so that you do not commit that sin. Do y'all get what I just said there? Okay? Knowing that something is sinful does not give you the power not to do it. Because why? Because you are a sinner sold in bondage to sin. Right? Do you get this? Do you understand this? And the law does not empower you to be free from your sin. Not the purpose of the law. Not the purpose of the law at all. The law will not free you from who you are. The law will not change you from who you are. Knowing that it is a sin to steal, you will steal nonetheless. Knowing that adultery is wrong, nonetheless, you will become adulterers. We've covered this in a past lesson. If you've looked on someone with lust, what are you? 
an adulterer. You know now, you know not to look on someone with lust. How many of you would write your life off that you would not do it this week? So here's something else that I want to tell you. Church, Christians, your life's focus is not in following the law. Do you hear me? I'm going to say that again. Your purpose in life is not to check off a list that tells you how good you are. Because there's nothing good in you apart from Christ. So if trying to chase after a law could not bring you into right standing with God, how will it keep you in right standing with God? Right? So what happens instead, and this is what we have to be careful with this as well as a a church, finding the right place and purpose for the law. Right? So that we're not wielding the law like my child with the pistol. Right? Wounding when we should be protecting. Right? So we have to be very careful with our, with our usage of the law. We have to be very diligent about God's Word. What He's commanded for us. We're not to throw it away as though it has no purpose because it has a very distinct purpose. That purpose is to reveal sin to us. So I, as a believer, should be in God's Word. But I I should not rely on my knowledge of sin to save me. Do y'all see that there's a difference there? Do y'all see that there's a difference there? That my knowledge of sin, or my knowledge of God's Word, is not what is saving me. It's not what is saving you. That it is ultimately a supernatural work of heart transplant. Right? God has taken out of us a heart of stone, placed into us a heart of flesh. He's given us the diagnosis of death. We place our faith in the surgeon that He is capable of performing the surgery that will save our lives. Because knowing alone that there's a procedure does not save us. Laying our lives down on the table so that the surgeon can take us near death, in fact, to death, and bring us back again, that's saving us. It's all in the hands of the Savior. Right? But this is not what we find. This is not what is natural to us in our sinful state. Instead, what we find is that when we see the law, we don't use it to reflect on ourselves. We don't use the law to say, wow, I'm in need of something. That's what the law was given for. God did not give the law in the Old Testament expecting that you would be able to keep it in its full and entire case. He gave it so that you would in fact know that when the Savior came, you needed Him to do it in your place. The law does not change us. It opens our eyes to the fact that we need to be changed. 
But it does not answer that. If we go over a little bit, let's go over into chapter 8. We're going we're gonna to read in chapter 8, verse 3, just really quickly, this idea. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. So do you see, I'm going to read it again. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. The law cannot could not, never was intended to save you. Right? It was only meant to open our eyes to the need for saving. Right? To show us how abundantly clear it is that we need to be saved. Right? So when we wield the law for any other purpose except for to open our eyes to the need for salvation... We are tippy-toeing very near the line that we see here in chapter 2 of Romans. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourselves because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know. Notice that Paul goes from saying, you, here in this part, we, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Here's the, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Is that sin deserves punishment. That's true. That's absolutely true. And, and God does not look upon sin and take it lightly. Right? That's the, that's the problem for everyone lost. Because God is not going to just wipe it away or look the other way. He is a righteous, loving, kind holy God, that He could not just pass it by. Or He would be unjust. Sin will be punished. Church, if this, if this idea and this understanding, knowing that no one, will, no one will stand before Him excused, knowing this, and knowing that we hold the only truth They can set them free because their knowledge of law, their knowledge of their sin, you telling them that they are a sinner will not save them. God alone through the work of the Holy Spirit will save them. So if we use the law to beat them over the head, and we do it like that, who are you, judge? Who are you? Like you walk around sinless. Like you don't need the same Savior they need. Like if He lets you go, God forbid He let me go. God forbid He let me go. I fear where I might fall. Who would we be without Him? Though we walk around now like we do it on our own. And we wave this pistol in the air. Who are you, the judge, who practiced the very same things? We know that God's ju- or that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you know what had become of them? They suppressed the truth of God's law so much that they had come to believe 
that they were exempt from this, that they held some special status, that it would not be said of them what was said of those who did not have the law. Instead of seeing the law for what it is, a revelation to us of our state, they saw it as some special symbol that they were better and exempt than everyone from this. We will not escape the judgment of God unless the judgment has been poured out on a Savior in our place. Verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? I'm going to read this verse a couple of times. Okay? Let me get a drink of water so that I don't choke up. I want you to read this with me. I want you to also go home after tonight, meditate on this word. Look at the difference between one who judges and one who repents. Right? I want you to dig into this yourselves. Look into this. What's the difference between one who would judge by the law and one who through what the law's purpose is would then find themselves with a heart that repents. Because the difference here is a heart difference. Alright, so let's read verse 4 again. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness... Kindness in what? Kindness in what? What was God kind in? He sends Christ. That's the ultimate showing of this. Right? The ultimate showing of this. He didn't wipe you out the first time that you sinned. He lets you go on. That you would hear God's Word tonight. And He would offer up to you salvation. If you would repent. Repent. The law is meant to break you. And bring you to repentance. And God is kind in this. Can we see how such a strange thing as preaching sin and brokenness and how I can go through an entire book of Ecclesiastes and me telling you how vain your living is is in fact the kindness of God. God gave them up. Chapter 1 verse 26. Therefore, God gave them up. Chapter 1, verse 24. Verse 28, God gave them up. And He could have left us there. And He would have been no less holy, no less righteous, no less good, no less kind. But God, in His kindness, offers us up His Son. In His kindness, which we presume on. Right? What does that mean? What does it mean that we would presume on His kindness? We do things like, I got another time. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I love my sin. 
I know I should not sin. I'm going to go on sinning. And we'll walk on in our sinfulness, trampling under our feet the name of Christ. And God is kind with us, offering us up yet again an opportunity to repent. What do I do? What do I do? Repent. Repent. Say it a hundred thousand times. Repent. What's the first steps? Repent. You heard the Word. You believed the Word. You know you're a sinner. It's clear through God's Word. Repent. 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 What do we do? Let's start with repentance. Let's start with repentance. Verse 5. Because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. This idea of revealed, start back in chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. We see it being revealed throughout chapter 1 there, in abandoning them over, we see also that it will ultimately be revealed, this wrath of God will ultimately be revealed on a day of wrath. Does it say when God's wrathful judgment there? Does it follow up with wrathful judgment? There's coming a day of judgment. God's Word calls it a day of wrath. And when it speaks of this day of judgment, when it speaks of this day of wrath, it mentions the righteousness of God. God is not evil for punishing. God is not unkind for pouring out His wrath. In fact, it speaks of God in His righteous judgment. Where we would use these laws to beat over the head of others while we ourselves commit like sins, God stands righteous to condemn everyone. Do you, do you get that? Do you get the difference in when you judge and when He judges? Do you get that? You get that when you judge, you deserve judgment. When He judges, He is right in His judgments. When He calls you a sinner, there is nothing that you can say. Because you are a sinner. And what do we do? What can we do? What can we do? Repent. Repent. Because if you do not repent, if you continue on with your hard and impotent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. 
Verse 7, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. Do you know what, at this point, when you're looking at this, do you know what you know that you're not? You're not that person. Right? You're not the one that seeks for glory and honor and immortality. You seek after sin, and this is why you're called to repentance. Verse 8, For for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey in righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Verse 12, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. All who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. I want us to go back to chapter 8, and we're going to end with, we're going to end with this. We may come back and, and do a, a slight review to catch a couple of more points next time. Uh, but for tonight, we're just going to end here. Um, I, I want I want you to know that the world needs the gospel, whether they know that they're sinning or whether they are unaware of their sinful state. Verse twelve and thirteen would tell us that there is no one who will stand without excuse before God. The gospel must go out for their sakes, for their sakes. In chapter 8, and I can't wait till we get there and can cover this in its entirety. Their hope, those that we go out and we tell, their hope is not in knowledge of their sin. Their hope is not in knowledge of their fallen state. Their hope is ultimately in the work that God has done. Their hope is in the Gospel. So if we stop at your center, we've stopped too short of that thing that can change them. If we stop by just presenting them with the law, then we've stopped too short of that thing that can save them. We'll end with this. 8, verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I started off by telling you that your life is not to be lived in chasing after obeying mandates. Your life is to be lived in chasing after Christ, empowered by the Spirit. Can we do some worship and then...
And I would just like to say, if you have never uh, come to Christ in repentance, um, find me, whether I'm standing right here or wherever. Find a plethora of other people in here that will tell you uh, more about this.